I apologize for the last two weeks, uh, not uh, being on Facebook last week. Um, I got halfway through the sermon and remembered it, so I figured, well, I, I kind of blew it. But um, we're here this week for you that are on Facebook and you that hear us on YouTube. We love every one of you, and we pray that God will bless and keep you and uh, that you will join the believers in unity, amen, and uh, in agreement uh, with the Word of God. In Jesus' name, I think of, I think it was several weeks ago, I talked about Timothy and how that Timothy uh, was the successor, in a sense, of Paul. Well, that he was a son that was going to carry on ministry, not to the totality of what Paul did, because he became a pastor of a church. Uh, where Paul was an apostle and, and, and never, but yet the Spirit, how many know the Spirit of the Lord is in the house today? And the Spirit of the Lord could be upon you if you trust Him. We ask a question before we read this. What is it that hinders me? I think so often those that God would mightily use because of their own inadequacies or their own, they look at themselves, they see uh, their needs. And out of their need, they disqualify themselves from speaking about God. But I want you to know, I remember many years ago as a machinist, I had, the guy's name was David Van Dyne. He said, now look, my wife's a good Christian. Me, hey, you know, um, I'm, I'm still smoking cigarettes. I'm, I'm still doing this. And in that, he said, I, I don't even feel worthy or qualified to share this with you, Bob, but I want you to know something, that there is a better life in Christ. He began to preach the Word of God, but he always apologized. He always dismissed himself. I want you to know, see, that's the work of the devil, to get you looking at your inabilities rather than Christ's abilities. I believe the way to overcome is through boldness. And that is to say, I am not going to let the devil hinder me uh, from preaching the gospel. Could you imagine a pastor that uh, went by his emotion and, and, and sometime he said, oh, you know, I didn't do good. You know, I got mad because the key was lost. And, and because of all that, I don't feel qualified to preach. Uh, I'm just going to sit out this week. You know, the church after a while say, Pastor, uh, we're sick of every other week. You're sitting out. Uh, we need someone that's instant in season and out of season. Somebody that is that is steadfast. Somebody that is willing to step beyond themselves and to step into the victory of Jesus. Amen? And that's what God requires of each one of us. In other words, the Bible said, reckon yourself dead. And what that means is call yourself dead and say, Lord, I'm alive in you and I thank you. And Lord Jesus, I'm going to be faithful to you. And I want you to know that when you get into the presence of the Lord and when you submit yourself to the Lord, the Spirit of God begins to rise up in you. And not only does He rise up in you, to share the gospel, but he also can remedy the things that you struggle with in your life by faith. We need to trust him today. But he's talking to Timothy and, and 2 Timothy 1 and uh, 1 through 7, and I'll, I'll read this quickly. 
It said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What I love about Paul is that he will always reestablish who God made him to be. Don't be ashamed of what God has done in your life. Don't disqualify yourself. You know, I think of Paul and his, his, his arguing, or should I say his disagreement with Barnabas, and they even separated and, and all of that. But you know something? Paul didn't allow that to keep him from who God called him to be. And that is an apostle. So here he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I have served, that I serve uh, from my forefathers with pure conscience and without ceasing. I have re- remembrance of thee in my prayers both day and night or night and day. He said, greatly desiring to see uh, see thee, being mindful of thy tears. And if you remember, uh, Timothy was was uh, there was a great persecution in Ephesus, and, and and Timothy was in the middle of that, and and he actually wrote to Paul and talking about his fears and his 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 uh, you know the things that he was facing. Here, Paul was in prison. <laughs> in a worse situation than he was, but Paul, even in that, became uh, uh, an uplifter uh, to Timothy. How many know that no matter where you are, you can still be an uplifter of those around you? We don't need to be like Eon and say that the sky is falling, uh, that everything is bleak and everything is bad. I want you to know something. We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should have joy. In the Holy Spirit. We don't allow emotions to dictate who we are. You know, Paul was in prison at this time. He could have said, you know, I'm I'm washed up. I've done all these great things, and now here I am in jail. Uh, You know, woe is me. No, that's not what he said. He said, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by his authority. And he goes on to say to Timothy, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be, uh, be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in, that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm going to talk about fear for just a second here. I heard recently about a man who has so much fear, and he fears germs so much that that he uh, that he he's afraid of them. I'm going to tell you what fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit, and the only way that the spirit of fear can be overcome is with the spirit of God. People that are given to a spirit of fear. And I'll tell you that each and every one of us, there are times when maybe he'll try to move in with a spirit of fear. 
Maybe a spirit of fear, you know, like elderly people saying, Social Security is going to run out in 2030, let me tell you, or, or in 2030. And we have that. Let me tell you what, that's the devil speaking and saying, oh, you're going to die and you're going to do this. The Bible said he will provide for us. Amen. We have to trust him. We don't, we're not given to a spirit of fear like the world is. Because it is a spirit. And when you see that, you need, to, you need to come against that spirit with the spirit of God. You can't do that through counseling. You can't do that through uh, uh, man-made means. This can only be done by the power and the spirit of the Lord. And what he is saying to Timothy here is, Timothy, listen. Don't be given to fear. Remember who you are. Why did he say, he said, uh, the faith that is in thee, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But he said, remember your mother, remember your grandmother, remember the faith that they had. And Timothy, I want you to know I have all confidence in you that you will not only finish the race with, with, with strength and power and faith, but you'll be successful in this life if you will continue in the Lord. I think so many people, you know, I think of, of the enemy when he comes against us. Who do you think you are? Well, I am a child of the living God. I'm an ambassador sent by heaven to occupy in this land. You see, you have to ask yourself, who am I? And if you are what the Bible says you are, then you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. Remember, we've said this earlier. That he said, let every man be a liar and let God's word be true. What does that mean? Every emotion, every thought needs to be brought into the captivity of the Lord. I rebuke that. I'll tell you right now, you, sometimes you may even see me as almost schizophrenic because I'll be walking and say, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And, and, and they're looking. I don't see anybody around. Well, he's there because he was telling me things that I do not agree with. He was telling me things that would hurt me. <coughs> not every thought is of the Lord. Not every thought is your thought. The Bible said that Satan is a fisher of men. How does he fish for men? With thoughts. You go out in a boat and you may have a tackle box full of tackle. And you say, well, maybe they're biting this type. And you put it on and you cast a few times, nothing happens. And you bring it in and you change it to another lure. You see, every thought you have is the lure that Satan is sending by your mind that is contrary to God's word. And it might be as bizarre as you can imagine. It might be you're standing at a bus stop and, and, and you hear a thought says, push this old lady out in front of the bus. And you think, well, no, I'm deluded. I am evil. No, it wasn't. It was nothing more than a lure. God, uh, the devil doesn't know how crazy you are. You might be crazy. He's just up because the Bible said only God knows what's in the heart. The devil doesn't know what's in your heart. So he plays you. He fishes. He fishes. And, and, and he does whatever he can. And when he gets uh, something that looks as if, oh, I got a, I got a movement out of this, then he's going to continue. And that's why we're played 
with the same thing over and over and over. But the Bible said, resist the devil. He will flee from you. What he's saying to Timothy here. Timothy, listen. Remember. You haven't begun this thing in the flesh. You were tutored by your grandmother and your mother. And we know their faith. Maybe they were in heaven already. But he said, remember. And allow the word of God to flow from your heart. But he says in James 1.7, he said, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. I think of that phrase, because we even sang it in one of our songs. And, and, and it's, th- it's like this. The phrase rendered shadow of turning would Uh, probably refer to the different shades of a shadow cast by the sun from an object it is a very it is um, in its various revolutions and rising and setting and its changes at the different seasons of the year God on the other hand is as the sun stood at meridian at the noonday and never casts a shadow I'm going to tell you what. He never casts a shadow. He's always just above you. He's always illuminating everything around you. He said, I I don't change. I'm not here in the winter and then here in the summer. I think of an Old Testament story, how that when the enemy came against Israel, and they came against Israel, and they were defeated on the mountain. And they came back and said, well, they serve the God of the mountains. Let us go into the valley. See, because they're saying, well, God is this way now, but he can't do it here. I want you to know that my God doesn't change. There's no shadow of turning with my God. He's always at meridian. He's always above your head. He's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when your emotions change, God said, I do not change. In second, in second Peter 1, 3, it says, As his divine power hath given to us all things that pertains unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. How did we get all things? Through what? Through knowledge. My people, he said in Hosea 4 and 6, the first part of it, he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. We've got people today that are rejecting knowledge. Why? Because they don't think it fits our culture. They, they think, well, you know, there are people out there that have alternative lifestyles, that, and we're being mean to teach them the Word of God. I want you to know this right now. The meanness is we don't teach them the truth. Could you imagine somebody going to heaven, and they say, you know what? I was in front of this pastor right here. He never told me that my ways were wrong. In fact, he made a way for me. Where there was no way. And it wasn't the right way. It was an evil way. 
Each and every one of us needs to understand that His divine power has given us all things that pertain to thunder, life, and godliness. I'm going to tell you, anything that you don't have in your life pertaining to life and godliness is because of ignorance. Because the Bible said it's all been given unto you. So when you look at that, don't look around you and say, well, this one's doing it and that one's doing it. No. Something in your life needs to be opened up to the truth of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of the greatest people you'll read in the Bible walked alone a lot in their life. And people will say, oh, you know, I, I don't have any friends or I don't have... I'm going to tell you this now. I think of uh, Jeremiah. You know, he said, I'm not going to preach anymore because it only causes uh, division and, and everybody hates me when I do that. And, you know, and I'm just going to stop doing it. But thank God for the Holy Ghost that's quickened within you to keep you from such things as that. Christ's name, Christ came to us, should I say, as a facilitator of gifts. Now think about that. In Ephesians 4, 8, therefore he says, when he ascends on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Let, let's look at that just for a minute. He, he led captivity captive. What does that mean? What does it mean? He led captivity captive. You see, we read over that and just, we don't think about it. He led captivity captive. Well, I think of a great general having conquered his foes and bringing all the spoils to show to his kingdom. That's what generals would do. They'd bring lions. They would bring tigers. They would bring, they would bring people. And they would parade them in to say, not only did we conquer the land, but look at all of the spoils that we've received in conquering it. Well, I want you to know this right now. We have a great general who was not earthly, but as a heavenly, giving gifts to his captives, not bondage. You know what? The Lord's going to march triumphantly with you and I following him and say, look what I brought. I've taken captivity. I've captivated it and I'm leading it into the Holy of Holies and let the whole heavenly host see what the Lord has done. I want to tell you this now. In victory is more than just overcoming. In victory, there are spoils. And that's what Jesus is saying. I will cause that which was in captivity I'll bring it, into, bring it captive, and I'll bring it before the heavenly ocean and show them, look what the Lord had done. And you and I are going to be with him. Hallelujah. And we're going to march in because he has taken the spoils that were you and me. And he brought it to himself. And he marches with pride with that saying. And, we, and they'll all say, look. What the Lord has done. Isn't that wonderful? That we can, we can do that. I want to talk a little bit about the gift of salvation. So often, we minimize the gift of salvation uh, by works and, and other things. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. As I said earlier, is this. And that is, don't, those things are wonderful. I want to see devils cast out. I want to see the miracles. And I believe we should. I believe we should be able to lay hands on addicted people and to see them recover. 
by the power of God. But I also know this one thing. The greatest thing among us is the fact that we're saved, that we are the children of God. Isn't that great? I was glad, hallelujah, that the Lord had called me. Because I'll tell you, when we, when we get into the dirtiness of ministry, and ministry is dirty, why do you think Jesus wanted to wash the feet? He wanted to show them, this is what real ministry looks like. It's dirty. I know your feet stink. I know that you've been walking in dust and dirt all day. I know all of that. But I want to teach you because you are disciples. And I am the great teacher. And I'm going to teach you how to be effective disciples. And that is you've got to get dirty. And there's something about dealing and working with people in sin. is It's dirty. But you know what? God has called us to that. But he says this right now. Thank God that you are saved. You see, because when we lose sight, when we get into the dirt of ministry, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Sometimes we feel dirty. I've shared with you before, as a young Christian, I used to get saved every week. The preacher would preach, and I couldn't wait to get up there and say, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with repentance. I believe we should repent. I'd rather repent one more time than I needed to than one less time than I needed to. But the fact of it is a salvation is one. But I would feel dirty. Why? Because I'd been in the world. I'd, I'd felt the dirt of the world. So I would feel that I needed to get resaved because I felt dirty. No. It's the washing by the regeneration of the word. We don't come back to the altar for salvation. We go to the word for cleansing. The cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to continue in the Word. And that's why we need to continue to celebrate the fact that we are saved. In Ephesians 2 and 8, let me go back to Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... So death passed upon all men, that all have sinned. The Bible said, if any man says he has no sin, the, 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 the truth is not in him. Just because someone's born in the church does not make them a Christian. What we need to understand is that we all are sinners saved by grace. That we come to the place of repentance. We come to the place where we say, Lord... I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me, and to make me whole. That's humility. That's humility. And without humility, we can't serve the Lord. And that is bowing our knee before him. I want to talk about the gifts. But let me, let me first talk about Ephesians 2 and 8. It said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. And I want to talk a little bit about gifts. In the gift of the Holy Spirit this morning. In Acts 2.38, And Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that I've got brothers out there that, that believe in, in oneness. They don't believe in the Trinity. I think you're cheating yourself, and, and I, really, I really pray for you. 
because there is a triune God. We know that in Matthew, he said, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. We see here an emphasis on Jesus' name. Why? Because the, the, the Jewish people believed in the Holy Spirit. They believed in the Father, but they did not know Jesus. And he emphasized Jesus because we need the triune Godhead fully within us. You can't neglect, you can't reject Jesus and have the Father and the Son or, or the Father and the Holy Spirit and, and be complete. It is through the power of Jesus Christ. How many know that he always was? There are organizations out there today that that teach that that jesus is an archangel and 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 some believe that he's just a a being like you and i i want you to know he is the creator of all things go to colossians and see everything that was created was created by him and for his pleasure amen settled that that's who jesus is amen so we find here that he said, be baptized uh, in, 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 in God, in, the, in Jesus, for the remission of sin. And what, what does that mean? Is that by our act of obedience. See, baptism doesn't save anybody. We're saved before we're baptized. But baptism is an act of obedience. It is saying, I will do. Now, you know, the natural man says, oh, that's foolishness. Well, I want you to know this right now. God said, do it until I come. Everyone that is born again needs to be baptized. What is it? It's an outward identification with an inward that has already happened. It is to say, I humble myself. I put on that gown. I walk out into that water. And I let somebody put me under in, in identifying in the outward what has already happened on the inward is that my sins are washed away and I come up renewed in Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye. Number one, we have salvation. We have baptism or obedience. And then we receive the Holy Ghost in power. And I want you to know this right now. You can receive the Holy Ghost. But we ask for that. I remember one teacher saying, well, not everybody wants to be possessed by a spirit. Well, I want you to know something. When you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, uh, it, he will come into you and he will and he will teach you. And, and, and he will, uh, if necessary, nag you. I, I hate to use the word nag. But every time we, we, we want to go away, the Holy Spirit, no, 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 that's bad. Don't look at that. Don't do that. You know, so if you really want to be possessed by the Spirit of God, you surrender yourself and allow that teacher, not only on the outward, but on the inward, to begin to teach you. And I'm going to tell you this, through the power of the Holy Ghost, we receive gifts. Gifts, and we read that in Romans and I wanted to read this. I'm going to take a little bit of time because I want to read Romans uh, in Romans. Um, let me look at that. I might have typed that a little quick. Let me go to Romans real quick here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is wonderful. Holy and precious. Get to chapter 1. 
Amen. Thank you, Lord. I might have got really, really fast in writing that down. Uh, let's go to chapter 12. That's where it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 1, or chapter 12, and verse 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable servant. So we ask ourselves, what does that mean? Well, he clarifies it later on here. He said, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, it's got to begin with your mind. It's got to begin with your mind. You've got to submit your mind to the Lord, that it would be transformed. Anybody understands what a transformer is? I was talking with a gentleman yesterday who has a problem with his cluster. You know, his, it, he has a problem with his radio and his, his uh, backup camera. All of that is in that one cluster. And for some reason, it all died. And, and he's thinking, and he says to his wife, and he talked to me, he said, well, maybe if I took the black and red wire, which is the hot and the neutral, and I run it right back to my battery and hook it up directly, it would work. Well, let me tell you this. That might run on one ohm, not, you know, not 12 volts. So what might be between your battery and that cluster is a transformer, something that transforms the power from one power to another. So that if you went ahead and hooked that directly to the battery, bringing 12 volt into that system, you might find smell smoke. And you may have destroyed forever uh, what might have been repairable. See, that's what a transformer is. And the Bible said, let your mind be transformed. In other words, let it be rewired and connected because I'm going to the, the carnal mind cannot receive the things of God. That would be like taking that cluster in that car and hooking it right up to 12 volts and watching the smoke. And the smoke would pour out of your brain. You've got to be wired for it. That's why people can come in. They look and say, what in the world's wrong with these people? The Bible said the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them. That perish. Why? They're not wired for it. <laughs> You've got to be wired for it. Amen. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying this. He said, uh, he said um, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, rewiring of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Why is it we argue, or, or should I say, uh, um, I don't want to use the word argue because I don't argue with people, but why is it we have issues even within the church about simple things? And I'll tell you why that is, because the devil comes in and he, and he blinds people from what is truly the truth. Because unless your mind is transformed, you cannot, understand the things of God. I think of my granddaughter, Anastasia. She asked last night, she said, why did Jesus pick 12 men? <laughs> it's 
contrary to today's teaching on political correctness. How many know that God really wants the man to be the leader of the house? To be the leader of the house has got to be loving. It's got to be kind. It's got to be gentle. It's got to be like Jesus. He said, brothers, love your wives as Christ loves the church. I know a man who refused to allow his wife to read so that he could lord it. She's in the kitchen. She does that. And I'm looking and saying, when's the last time Jesus did that to you? We had an old man. His name was Jeff Jeffords. And, and he was an old man. He'd go rabbit hunting with us when I was a kid. And, and he loved rabbits. And we liked to take him because we didn't like to eat him. We just wanted to shoot him. <laughs> and that's not awful. But anyway, I don't want to go there. But he would go with us, old uh, Jeff Jeffords. And, and afterwards, he could take the, the rabbits. And I can remember... Well, one day, he took the rabbits in the house. He threw them on the table, and he said, Get the skin in, woman. And my grandmother, when she heard that, she said, Well, you ever did that to me? There'd be something scun all right. <laughs> and it wouldn't be a rabbit. <laughs> you see, when things are in order according to God's will, there's no disorder. A woman who has an issue with, with a male being the head of the house has brokenness in their life. They don't really understand the order of God. Because when the, when the family is working in harmony, as God had designed it, it becomes blessed. Begins with the father. The father's responsibility to, to lead his children and his wife in spiritual things. And it's his wife's responsibility to encourage him, to, to, to strengthen him, and, 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 and to believe in him. And let me tell you this right now. If you think that somehow a man is more superior than a woman, you're deluded. A lot of wives are smarter than their husbands. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of wives are smarter than their husbands. And well, let me tell you this. Because one can do jeopardy when the husband couldn't even do Wheel of Fortune well, <laughs> doesn't mean that she's superior. How many know actually the Bob's said we're equal? We're yoked equally. We each bring something to the table. In every marriage... Uh, why am I on this? I don't know. But in every marriage, we, we both work it out according to our strengths and abilities. When it comes to money, she's got it all. And the reason is that she's smarter with money than I am. I have money in my pocket. It goes to the wash. You know, and, and, and we worked out. The first five years of any marriage will come with the working out of which partner is best suited for what there is to do. And you say, well, the man should be a mechanical. Well, not necessarily. I've known families where the wife's out fixing the car. The husband has no clue. 
I'm just going to... I have an uncle that is a doctor, MD. Brilliant, brilliant mind. He, he's Jewish. My Aunt Judy married him when she, they were very young. And, and one day, he was feeling less manly because she was out plowing the driveway. And he said to his wife, I'm going to go plow the driveway today. She said, well, go ahead. She said, I looked out five minutes later, the truck is on its side. And he came in and he said, Judy, would you mind plowing the driveway from now on? Does that mean that he's not manly? No. No, it doesn't. He was a brilliant man. But each and every one of us in a relationship have to come to the clue. What? Where am I strong? And where is my spouse strong? And I'll tell you, when you come to that place, there is a unity that can't be broken. Isn't that wonderful? God designed it that way. He said, brothers, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Thank you, Lord. That's a free sermon there. Isn't God good? We love him and praise him. Thank him. So who, when we look at, let me get on here. But not only do we have these gifts, in Romans uh, 12, 8 through 9, we find we have prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. But I want to read a little bit more here. He said, for I say uh, through the grace of God given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself, but to think soberly according to God had dealt to every man a measure of faith. In the body of Christ, there are various gifts. We don't all have them. He said, do all prophesy? No. Do all uh, 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 do this or that? No. We all have gifts. For as uh, we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Each one of us are called according to the gifting that God instills within us, so that we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of the other, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the, uh, the proportion of, of faith that is the Bible said to every man is given a measure of faith. There are some men that were given more faith probably than than I have. There are men who may prophesy to the whole world uh, uh, things which I have not uh, been given. But do I get jealous of that person? Do I say, oh, I want what he has? No. We need to thank God for each other. Heaven then gifts differing according to the grace of God that is given. Or ministries, let us wait on our ministering for he that teacheth uh, on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation or fake. Uh, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. What am I speaking of right now? We're coming back to how do I present my body a living sacrifice? I do it through ministry. Really, the simplicity of what he's saying is, okay, let me show you what it means. 
what, what it means to, to present your body a living sacrifice is giving to the ministry of God. Like, like Red back there said, you know something? God has done a great work in me. You know what? I'm paying it forward. You see, that's sacrifice. That's sacrifice in her ambition. Her, her desires, her dreams, everything that she has. But you know what happens? Eventually, it becomes my dream. Eventually, it becomes my, my, my desire. And so each and every one of us need to realize that in Jesus' name. In Romans, uh, or should I say in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 4 through 10, it speaks of the giver of the gifts, receiving gifts and diversity of gifts, you can read that at home, but I want you to know this right now, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 10, if you're here, uh, take a note and look that up later. But God talks about the gifts. I've known people who have tried to explain away the gifts. Why? Because they, their, their mind isn't renewed to receive. I remember one pastor, well, if there was actual healing, we'd have healing. No, they won't. Not unless your mind is, 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 is wired to receive it. You can't pray for something you don't believe in, or you're just going through the work. If you really pray for someone for healing, you need to believe that God can heal. I think of Peter when he went through the beautiful gate, and he says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus. Why is it that when you go on Christian television, all you hear about is money, money, money? You know why you hear about money, money, money? Because they've lost what Peter had. And that is, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give to you in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. You see, you don't need much money when you go out in the street with that kind of authority. Money will come chasing you. won't have to ask for a thing. People will want to want to bless you. People will want to support that. People will come to you and say, you know, we have people. I think of Smith Wigglesworth. There was a lady in the city, and she was a very proud person. And, and the mayor came to him and said, look, we know that you have these extraordinary gifts of praying for the sick and seeing them recovered. There is a woman of great authority and power in our community, and we would love for you to go there and pray for her. So what happens? Uh, but this is what he said. He left guidelines. He said, but I want you to know that when you go there, be very gentle and kind with her and only speak kind words. Because we don't want to offend her. She's important. You see what he did? He went back into his own way of thinking. And Smith Wigglesworth went to her home, and he looked at her. He said, you're a woman of pride. I can't help you. He said, you're, you're, I can't do a thing for you. I feel pride in you. And he walked out. And the mayor is just, oh, my word, what kind of a man is this? And you know something? That lady called him back the next day. She said, you're the first man that dared to stand and tell me the truth. I know I'm a proud woman. She said, but I really want to be healed and I'll do whatever it takes. And he said, repent of your pride. He began to lead her in the way of salvation, in the way of the Lord. And she was made every bit whole. But she could not have been made whole in her pride. And until the pride was called out, she was in bondage. We have people today, we want a pastor. 
and we want him to speak wonderful words. But don't call out the, 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 the thing that keeps people from the liberty that God wants them to walk in. And that woman was made every bit whole. I'll tell you another thing about what Smith Wigglesworth would do is if he was in a room to pray for someone, he would ask, he said, how many of you believe that this can happen? And if anybody didn't believe, he'd say, get out of the room. You're a hindrance to me. I think of another man that was praying, and, and, and he was with another brother. And the other brother was praying, oh, Lord, we're all going to die. We're all going to go to heaven and all this. And this might be your time. And, and, and the man, I believe it was Lake. And, and he said, Lord, he said, he said, and finally he looked at him and said, shut up. He said, we need to believe if we're going to see the miracle. But how do we go from a place of doubt to a place of belief? We go through the trans, uh, through the renewing of our mind. And how do we get the renewing of the mind? Right here, it's the Bible. It is the Word of God. The Word of God. The Bible said, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word will transform your mind. The Word will, will, will cause your mind to, to, to work on heavenly uh, thoughts rather than carnal thoughts. So when the man stands up and said, if there were healing today, we would be able to hear. That is not true. He said, according to your faith, so be it. Unto you. You cannot do what you don't believe. There are those that say, well, you know, the Holy Ghost uh, baptism at the house of Cornelius. Uh, when Peter transferred the Holy Spirit to the house of Cornelius was, was him transferring it to the Gentiles. So we don't need to lay hands on anyone anymore. And we don't need to ask for the Holy Ghost. We get it automatically now. Where is that in the Bible? Why do people inject into the Bible things that aren't even there? Because their mind is not renewed to receive it. And when my mind is not renewed to receive it, I'll try to excuse it. Well, you know, don't get radical, brother. You know, I, I understand, you know, those apostles did that. But you know what? We live in 2023. And things, we got hospitals today and we've got doctors. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm watching the medical uh, field dissipate before me. It's really becoming almost non effective. And I'm telling you what, we need to get back to the Holy Ghost power and say, God, you can heal me. Lord God, you can do what the doctors can't do or what they're not allowed to do. You see something? You're on Christ's mind 24-7. But the physician, the earthly physician, he's out golfing. He ain't thinking, he's not thinking a thing about you. He's just thinking, he's just thanking God for the 600 you gave him so he could go golfing again. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. And she came to the Lord after she had spent all of her money. Spent it all on physicians. 
That isn't hard to do. It can be done very quickly. He spent all of her money. And you know what? Sometimes we've got to get to that place of desperation. I think in America we've been in such abundance that we've, we've become spoiled. But there's something about believing. I, I can see it coming back. I can see the people now getting into hardships and realizing, I need the Lord. When the stock markets fail, when economies fail, when countries fail, when man fails, politicians fail, guess what? My Lord never fails. Isn't that wonderful? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The power and necessity of Scripture. In Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. In 2 Timothy three sixteen, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What does it say? All Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration. The word inspiration means inspired or breathed. It is the Holy Ghost that breathes that into your life. And that you will use that and you'll stand in that. I'm going to close here. I've got several pages, but I, I think this is where I want to end. The Scripture foresees all things that we will encounter on earth. How many know God knows exactly where you are right now? He's not up there biting his nails saying, Oh, I didn't know Biden was going to get in. He's not out there biting his nails saying, oh, I don't understand these Democrats. Only we do that. God's greater than all of that. He is in total control today. I mean, we try to educate God. Oh, I know God, but you don't know this. You didn't see this or this or that. I want you to know God knows even the, the deepest thought of every human on earth. You know, the Bible said in Matthew... That Jesus went about and needed that nobody tell him about any individual because he already knew their heart. Before he even come to them, he knew. He knew. He knows Wayne. He knows every one of us. He knows us better than we know us. And yet he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe the word pistis, have faith in him, would not perish. See, that's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, we need to get back to the simple. And we need to realize the power that we have in Jesus Christ because we are his sons. This building is an embassy, not a church. You're the church. This building is an embassy. It's an embassy of the kingdom of God. So this couple came from, from uh, the Philippines. What we realize is they may have come from the Philippines, but they're still in the same kingdom they were there. It's called the kingdom of God. With His power, His righteousness, His holiness. And that each and every one of us can stand in the presence of God. And know this one thing. This embassy is a place to run into for safety and refuge. But it's not the church. It's a building. You are the church. 
You are the ecclesia. You are the called out ones of God. You're the ones who God has sent into the world. Each and every one of you. And there's no hierarchy. The Bible said, He that is uh, chiefest among you, let him be the servant of all. We're here to serve. We're here to love. We're here to encourage. We're here to stand with. We're here to believe in healing. We're here to believe in, in freedom of addiction. Because what hope has this world without this message? And you see, that message is in your belly. And the Bible said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He said, blessed are they who preach the gospel. For how will they hear unless somebody preach? And what does that mean? It means that out of your bellies will flow the power, the wisdom, and the strength of God. That the hand that God has given you, the yod, or the hand will be put upon the forehead of another and you pray for them and believe God for their healing. I met a man and we actually interviewed him and I want him to come to this church and speak sometime. But he is a man that's given to deliverance and given to healing. So let me tell you this. I used to preach on the street with a bullhorn. He said, but I put my bullhorn away. Now I just walk among the people like Jesus did. And you know something? He said, and the Holy Ghost begins to talk to me. And as he talks to me and as I exercise that, I go up to a person and say, you know, you, you know uh, God has shown me a brokenness in your life or sadness. Not soul power. You've got to be careful that you're not using soul power. Because soul power is reading somebody like a road map. No, but through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, say, Lord, as you share with me, you begin to share with that person. You begin to pray with that person right where they are. You begin to say, may I pray with you? May I? It's not the bullhorn. It is touching people. It's coming right where they are. To see somebody in a wheelchair and walk up and say, oh, my word, what, what happened? They're always usually glad to tell you the story. Well, you know, I had polio when I was young or, or, or I had a bad accident or something. And you listen and be a good listener and say, would you mind if I pray with you? A prayer of faith. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And people will be favorable. How many times I've been at, a, at, at, at the deathbed of an individual and sitting there like they sat there and, and praying with them. And then when I go to leave this, oh, thank you for all that you've done for us. And I'm thinking to myself, what have I done? It's your very presence. It's your very willingness. You don't have to have all the answers. All you've got to do is say, here am I, Lord. I don't understand. And you're going to have fear because the devil is going to riddle you with fear. But you've got to be willing to resist the devil. He will flee from you. And then you get out there and begin to share Jesus Christ with the people. And you see, that's what God is saying when he said, Give your, uh, present yourselves a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's not about me. It's not about me. Because when it's about me, then I'm narcissistic. 
I'm thinking about me, me, me. And I think this world is going narcissistic in a great way. I think there are more narcissists in the world today than there ever has been. It's a state of mind. It's a state of being. It's all about me. When God said, we need to let that go and let Christ live. So the, so the apostle said, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's him that lives in me. So as he admonishes Timothy this morning, I admonish you to hold on to the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, to stand up and be the champions that God has called you. Whether it's read back there in that home where she's blessing and talking to others that are broken and saying, you know something, I know there's a pathway for you. I know there's a way for you. And I know that way maker. And I'm going to pray with you and believe with you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to believe for you. And that is what God has called us to today. In some way or form. As to have compassion. Would you stand with me please? Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. You say well you know I'm not worthy. To pray for somebody that's sick. Because I've got an ailment in my body. Now, let me tell you what. I've known some of the great like Smith Wigglesworth. He passed a jar of kidney stones. He made a covenant that he wasn't going to go to the doctor. Now, that's his personal covenant. But, you know, he suffered his whole life. But he never let that stop him from his faith in Jesus Christ. And I've known people, their faith is according to what they realize on this earth rather than what God's Word says. And we can love him, and we can know him in the name of the Lord. The Bible said, if there are any sick among you, let the elders, let them call upon the elders. Let them pray for them and anoint them with oil. There's no elder that can heal you. Obedience to the word of God will heal you. I believe, Lord God. I believe that you're able. I believe, Lord God, that you will do what you have said that you will do. And if my wife plays, I just want to pray for anyone. If you've got the faith today to stand with me, I want to pray for anybody here today that said, I have a need in my body. You see, the... God is disappointed when we come together and we fall short of believing. God is saying, only if you will believe, I will do what I have been called to do. If you, if you have a, an illness or something, anybody, I want to pray with you. I also want to pray for my wife. And I get a couple of ladies that want to come up and pray. For her, Jesus.